Lord, indeed, we pray that you would open up our eyes to the things unseen. Heal our hearts, make them clean. And show us how to love like you have loved us. A world that also needs to see and hear of who you are and what you've done, what you are doing and what you will do. that needs to know love where there is hatred, violence and war and anger. Help us to be peacemakers and those who love with even just a fraction of how you loved us. Would you open our ears to hear what you'd say to us this morning? And we pray in the name of Jesus. Thanks so much, team. I don't know about anyone else, but I always end up with goosebumps when Ellie sings. Awesome job. Thank you. And team, the whole team sounded great today. Thank you. Well, good morning once again. When was a time that you felt the most welcome ever? Maybe you were a child. Maybe it was recently, maybe it was just this last week, or maybe it was years ago. When was the time that you felt the most welcome? Well, the time that I felt the most welcomed anywhere, ever, is kind of embarrassing. Now, let me explain. It was Uganda in East Africa, just over 10 years ago. And back then, I was a, an executive working for Compassion Australia. And I was in Uganda with a, a team from Sydney. And we were flying into Western Uganda from the capital, Kampala. Anybody been to Uganda? Oi! Of course, Rabina and family. Not only been to Uganda, Uganda. Um, our little piece of Uganda with us this morning. Great to have you here. So we were flying out from Kampala. Uh, out to Western Uganda, and the team that I was with was actually a dental team. And we were there, going out there because uh, in, in that part of remote Uganda, dental treatment was very, very limited. Dental services were almost non-existent. And where they were, they were extremely expensive. And by extremely expensive, I mean a few US dollars. But if you're a subsistence farmer or a poor rural labourer, may as well have been a million dollars. Is that right, Rabina? Yeah. So when you, uh, when you ever had a, had, if you've ever had a toothache, you'll know exactly how bad that can get. And imagine that you couldn't get to a dentist. Imagine if your only option was a self-extraction. Remember, no anaesthetic, no first century soft drink either. Just a pair of pliers, maybe, or something like that, and uh, a little bit of the local firewater, perhaps. Well, through Compassion, we were coming to provide some free dental checks and treatments to children and families and members of the local community. And as we flew in, I remember looking out the window of our small 10-person aircraft at the scene below. We were landing on one of those grass landing strips where air traffic control 
means three local farmers shooing their cows off the grass landing strip before you, before you land. But that wasn't the thing that caught my eye. What caught my eye was the scene below. It looked like there was some kind of local festival or fair going on. There were literally hundreds, maybe even thousands of people gathered nearby. They were waving flags and banners and hankies and chickens and small children. And there was even a brass band, complete with somewhat tattered red and black uniforms, a dozen or more battered brass instruments, some drums, and I'm pretty sure a set of bagpipes. And as we taxied and landed and pulled up to a stop, I started to be able to read the banners. And as the plane came to a halt, suddenly the crowd burst into cheers and applause. And it was then that it struck me this wasn't a festival that we'd stumbled upon. This was quite literally a welcoming party. Underscore party. Underscore welcome. It was the most welcome that I've ever felt in my life. I was flabbergasted. Now, if you've ever been to a compassion project, anybody here been to, who's been to a compassion projects? Yeah, a number of us. Well, you'll know that they're pretty good at doing welcomes when you go to a compassion project. And I've seen scores, maybe even hundreds of these kind of all singing, all dancing welcomes. But this took the welcome party cake. The band played, the bagpipes piped, the crowd was jubilant, the children squashed in around us with gifts and outstretched hands and shy smiles. We were humbled, we were deeply touched, and I was also really embarrassed. Here's why. I was embarrassed because working in international development, you become sensitive to good and poor development and mission practice. And this moment was incredibly well-intentioned on behalf of the local community. They were grateful, I'm sure, that they could put away the pliers and receive proper dental care the, uh, at a price that they could afford. But nevertheless, there was something about that moment that seemed to reinforce a lot of the dangers of Western-financed aid development and mission work. The perpetuation of a kind of white saviour mentality where the wealthy Western donors and doers of aid and development fly in to fix the problems without fostering or to the detriment of longer-term local agency. Now, in this instance, I could answer all of those critiques, but nevertheless, this left them ringing afresh in my ears. Or maybe that was the bagpipes. But secondly, as honouring as the moment was, I was embarrassed because, well, by Jesus' standards, this moment was all upside down and back to front. Why? Well, let me tell you with the help of a teaching moment from the New Testament book written by the reformed taxman Matthew. When Jesus had to bring his disciples' egos and ambitions back to earth, with a lesson in humility and hospitality. But before we get to that, a quick recap of our series so far so that we can see where we are again on our journey. Well, in this series, uh, New Wine and New Vine for a New Normal, we've been looking at the change which many of us, perhaps you included, are going through and encountering on several levels. Firstly, the personal level. Secondly, as a church and as the church, and thirdly, at the social and cultural, maybe technological and generational levels. 
And as we looked at how when facing unwelcome change, a common response for many of us uh, is one or more of these three things, resistance, reluctance, and even sometimes resentment. And in week one, we looked at Jesus' words from Luke 5, 38 to 39, where he says, New wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking the old wine wants the new, for they all say the old was better. In other words, something we want to hold, sometimes we want to hold on to the old ways, the old days and the old wine, when God is up to something new and calls us to follow him into that new thing. And then we consider what might be three perhaps more helpful and healthy responses to change. Looking for points of continuity amid the change. Finding courage to embrace the opportunities that that change brings, whether we wanted that change. And thirdly, remaining confident that Christ is still at work in our lives and our 21st century world. Well, last week we looked at change at the second and third levels. We looked at embracing with courage the change to believe that God is at, a, uh, is at work in a new way uh, in this new normal that we're entering into. We looked at how we might apply these three C's to the vast profound changes underway in our social, cultural and even religious landscape at the moment. And we did so with the help of a momentous sort of history-making moment from Acts 15 in the New Testament when James, the younger brother of Jesus, concludes a debate about the inclusion of all peoples in God's plan and purposes without the need for surgery. Uh, if you were here last week, you'll understand what I'm saying there. And he's, he does so by stating this. He says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And we saw that that moment of embracing change, with the courage to believe that God was at work in a new way, paved the way for the modern world as we know it. Now, if that seems a big claim, feel free to go back and listen to last week's sermon or the series so far even on, on YouTube. And last week we noted that the new normal is here and that to keep the new in new vine, we need to renew how we think and what we do. But we also need to reach new people. We also noted how well positioned our church is uh, to do so, thanks to our founding fathers, uh, AJ and Paul, and the whole church and staff. And they're being prepared to embrace opportunities in the early days of New Vine and establish and build the church here in the Fletcher, Minmai, Maryland area. We looked at how. The rise of the regions post-COVID means so many opportunities for us to step forward and step up and follow Jesus into this growing part of Newcastle, if we're up for it. And today we're going to continue our series uh, on new wine and new vine for a new normal by moving from that kind of high-level view that we've taken the last few weeks to more of the street-level view. And we're going to look in a little bit more detail and how we are going about moving forward this year in this new normal. It's a new year, but also a new look staff team at New Vine. And we're still in the very early stages of setting the course. Uh, 
but I can't wait to have our newly formed families and next generations team uh, join us in a few minutes time to share some of their heart and goals with you. But first, to set the context for that conversation, remember that teaching moment that I was talking about a moment ago for Jesus' disciples. This will give us some helpful kind of biblical background of the conversation that we're going to have shortly. Well, some quick context. Matthew is one of the eyewitnesses to Jesus' life and teaching, and he records the events of Jesus' life in writing. And he has a particular eye in his account for how Jesus is the Jewish Messiah in the line of the prophets of old, going back to Moses, and also in the line of the revered ancient king, David. And our particular episode comes 18 chapters into Matthew's telling of the story. Jesus has called together a number of followers who've been journeying with, hearing his teaching, seeing him perform these crazy miraculous signs like healing the desperately ill and the physically impaired, as well as catering for a cast of thousands from a little boy's lunchbox. And uh, some of these followers by now are absolutely convinced that Jesus is the long-awaited, highly anticipated Jewish Messiah, the Son of God, a conviction confirmed for three of them by an awe-inspiring mountaintop experience involving those long-dead Old Testament heroes, as well as the audible voice of God the Father affirming Jesus as his chosen one and only divine Son. And on the back of those events, their excitement is growing, as is perhaps the sense of their own self-importance. It can't be long now, they seem to be thinking, before Jesus the Messiah makes his move and they too move up in the world. When Jesus overthrows Rome and re-establishes the throne of David in Jerusalem. But, as usual, Jesus doesn't play by their rules or rule by their playbook. And he says and does this most strange thing. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, by comparison to Mark, Matthew is actually really kind to disciples. And perhaps because, well, he was one of them. But in Mark's version, the disciples are seen to be squabbling like little children about which of them was going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But in Matthew's story, they simply come with a question. Uh, maybe just an innocent whistle, perhaps. Uh, who, uh, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? i.e. the kingdom that Jesus is, is and is about to bring about. Now even here, the subtext of all of this is ego and personal ambition. And we, we see that from Jesus' response. A response which must have been totally bamboozling. You see, the, king, the disciples knew about kingdoms. They knew about emperors like Caesar Tiberius, who was reigning in Rome at this very time. They knew about kings like King Herod, people who called themselves things like Herod the Great. They'd seen rulers and despots, powerful men with right-hand men, army generals and general advisors. And it seems that they were thinking of the same kind of deal. They're dreaming of greatness, but not in any ordinary kingdom, a divine kingdom 
which would see Israel restored and ruling over the pagan nations which now ruled over it. But in response to their ego and ambition, Jesus doesn't give a discourse about greatness. He doesn't write a dissertation about leadership. He stoops in the dirt. He beckons, maybe a mum, or maybe a tottering toddler themselves. And into the midst of the disciples' debate, their kind of theological debate about greatness and kingdoms, their own ambitions to greatness and grandeur, Jesus places a preschooler. Now, in our culture of helicopter parenting and cotton wool kids, it's easy to overlook what's happening here. In the elder honouring culture of Jesus' day, a child, particularly a small child, was socially the least of these, an inconsequential nobody. They held no office, they wielded no power, they had no vote, even if, you, if anyone had a vote in those days. They had none of it. They had no voice, they had no agency, and they represented precisely the opposite of greatness in the eyes of the world. Rather, as the NIV helpfully translates, the child held a lowly position, no much different to a slave. In fact, one Greek word related to the one in this passage uh, is the same Greek word that can be translated either child or slave. And perhaps that hints at the, the fact that many slaves in this time were still children themselves. What Jesus is not saying here is that his followers need to find in themselves some kind of childlike faith, nor is he suggesting children are all innocents or that they have some kind of special spiritual status or qualities. That's often how we've read that verse in recent centuries, post sort of the romantic picture of children as the height of humanity and all of that. What Jesus is pointing out here is that if you want to be great in God's kingdom, then firstly, you have to become like this inconsequential child who's not jostling for position or power. You have to let yourself be nobodies. And then he goes on to say this profound thing. He says, whoever welcomes a little child in my name welcomes me. What he's saying here then is to welcome these little and lowly ones. Don't seek honour for yourself. Give it in the way that you welcome those that we would overlook otherwise. Be hospitable to the inconsequential ones, to the children, to the ones that are often those without a vote, a voice, or any agency. And by the way, the words in Greek that is translated here, welcome, is a reference to the ancient obligation of hospitality the sacred responsibility to care for, protect, and receive with thanksgiving and welcome. It's not just a friendly wave and a warm smile. It's opening our hearts and offering a home to these little ones, as if they were honoured guests whom we have the honour and privilege of serving and caring for, as if we were welcoming Christ 
himself. And this raises the question for us. How well do we welcome people into our midst? In particular, how well do we welcome children and young people into our church home? How genuinely, heartfelt, hospitably, that didn't work, did it? How genuinely hospitable are we? Let's go with that. Do we roll out the red carpet? Do we strike up the brass band? Do we fire up the bagpipes? Not just for the obviously affluent Mzungus flying in from afar with the white messiah complex, but by flipping that story around. So it's we who pull out all stops to throw a welcome party for the little ones, the poor ones, the inconsequential ones, and their families, and, their, and young people, and the next generations. Because whoever welcomes a little child like this, in Jesus' name, welcomes Jesus himself. Want to welcome children? Sorry, want to welcome Jesus into our midst here? Welcome children and young people. Want to worship Jesus? Welcome children. Welcome the wee ones. So when did you feel the most welcome sometime? Was it as a child? Was it in a church? Well, maybe while we're busy here with all this sort of grown-up and important adult stuff, Jesus is out in the kids' ministry. Something for us to think about. Well, this is not to say that singles don't matter to Jesus, that adults don't matter to Jesus, that older people don't matter to Jesus, or somehow those who choose not to or cannot have children don't matter to Jesus. And it certainly doesn't matter, mean that you don't matter to us if you're not a child or don't have children. But here Jesus is reminding his disciples that the pathway to greatness is not ego and ambition. The pathway to greatness is humility and hospitality. The path pathway to greatness is not ego and ambition. The pathway is humility and hospitality. But what this certainly does mean for us as a church is that it calls us to think strategically about where God has planted us here, among whom God has planted us here, and who the great migration is bringing to our doorstep. And it makes sense that we do all we can to welcome them. It makes strategic sense to focus on families and next generations if we are going to keep the new and new vine in this new normal and be true to Jesus' words in this passage. And next week, we're going to unpack a little bit more for you about how these, these things and these priorities are reflected in our strategic framework and our strategic focus areas as a church for the coming years. But for now, I'm going to welcome up to the platform our Families and Next Generations team, uh, consisting of... Well, firstly, we're going to bring up a bit of furniture, I think, to help us out. Uh, thanks, uh, gents. And uh, we're going to welcome up our Associate Pastor for Families and Children, Libby Taylor. Uh, also, our Associate Pastor for uh, Young Adults and Youth, Isaac Whiting. And our Youth Ministry Worker Extraordinaire, uh, Isaac Cocking. So come on up. But while they're coming up, let me show you a little snapshot of who is who in the zoo at Newvine at the moment. Now, next week, we're going to hear from uh, Luke, AJ, and Jill, and uh, Dan Bell, who you might also see on there if, you can, if you've got really, really good eyes. Dan's very busy up the back uh, with our live stream at the moment. Thanks very much, Dan. But today, we're going to hear from the team in blue. This is our 
our newly formed families and next generation. Oh, look at you guys go. Wowee. Yeah. Nice work. I think I'm going to have to move this, hey? Uh, so if you can read that, you can see this is the kind of structure that we have at New Vine at the moment. And if you're a visitor, then thanks for bearing with us while we kind of uh, 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 do this sort of in-house talk. Um, but this is to give us all a sense of where we're going. And perhaps if you are visiting or tuning in uh, from afar, then maybe this will give you a bit of a sense of who New Vine is and our heart uh, and our people as well. So grab a seat here, uh, folks. And uh, you can see uh, Libby on the left there, uh, Isaac Whiting and Isaac Cocking. And next week, we'll talk to some of the other staff as well. But for now, we're going to have a, a bit of a conversation. Could be a short conversation if the couch doesn't, doesn't hold up to it. Well, welcome, everyone. Would you put your hands together for these guys? I feel a long, long way over here, but uh, it's wonderful to have you up here. Hi. So uh, Libby, Isaac and Isaac, welcome. Uh, Libby, uh, maybe we'll start with you, if that's okay. Oh, there's a mic just down here, if you can reach that. There we go. Uh, Libby's worried about the couch not holding up. It's creaking a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> it has a broken leg, apparently. Oh, So if you oh, hear yes. creaking, that's not I, me. I I'm think not I rusty. can see the broken leg, and it, and it actually is under Libby. Just don't, just don't move too much there, Libby, and hopefully we'll be right. AJ's not here. He's our work health and safety officer, so we'll carry on. He's upstairs with the kids. <laughs> uh, Libby, you're the newest member of the team. You've yes. uh, just been on board about as long as I have. Uh, what's your role and what are some of your immediate goals and projects for 2022 as we start out? Yeah, so you probably couldn't read that tiny writing there, but I am the um, associate pastor to families and children. Um, and my role, as I understand it, is um, just supporting our families, so helping them to feel connected here um, to each other and also to God. Yeah. And uh, that, so that's your role. What about uh, some of the things that you're already working on, those tasks and so projects what it and involves. things? Yeah. yeah, so practically this means um, I've stepped in, started supporting some of our... We have some amazing, committed, selfless leaders in ministries that are already existing, already still doing their job. So just connecting with them, making sure that, that they have what they need to, to be doing what they, what they need to be doing. Um, and also just getting to know our families and kids, um, what their needs are and... Um, yeah, making sure that we can get them here on a Sunday, um, whether that be newcomers or um, regular attenders. Um, and yeah, hopefully eventually into our local communities as well. Brilliant. And if you've come in the last couple of weeks, you might have noticed a bit more colour uh, than normal out there in the uh, foyer. What's going on there? And, and is this the, just the start of things to come? Yeah. So what we're trying to do is, um, as you were talking about, making a really great a great warm welcome um, for our families. So the ones, um, we're trying to make a place where kids feel excited to be here, families are excited to be here. Um, whether they're new, whether they're returning after a long COVID break, or whether they um, have been here along the whole time. So yeah, that's, that's part of our welcome, and also just getting some details together about our families so that we can have ways of better communicating things with them. Yeah, wonderful. And uh, Isaac, if I can turn to you next, uh, you've uh, moved into uh, a role that has continuity, uh, Isaac Whiting. Uh, continuity and change. <laughs> yes, that's right. I have to be more specific, won't I? Uh, got some continuity and change from what you were doing previously. Uh, can you explain uh, something about your role currently and uh, also tell us a little bit about what you hope to achieve in yep. the coming months? Um, so my role is uh, Associate Pastor for Young Adults, Youth, and then it says Special Projects. 
which is kind of like uh, top secret special forces stuff. So <laughs> keep an eye out. Um, but now I've uh, international if you've man been around of mystery. here for a while. I have overseen youth and young adults for a number of years. Um, last year we had Isaac jump on board, which has been great. Um, so I still get to work pretty closely with Isaac um, at the, this year, uh, but uh, putting a bit of energy into um, our young adults and our PM service and um, how we navigate forwards just from a COVID season that was pretty tricky in that space. Um, but yeah, sort of my week in, week out, I'm, I'm pretty involved with that night service. I'm still at, at youth uh, semi-frequently. And uh, then that special projects is uh, really just a bunch of sort of uh, it's a bit of a catch-all for a few different things around the place um, that we're hoping to sort of put a bit of energy into. So that's a little snapshot, a, a bit of a snapshot of my week. And, um, and something, I guess, that I'm really uh, trying to move or see the young adult space move towards is just um, continuing to foster a space that uh, creates genuine community. I think that um, you don't have to look through too far into the, the Gospels to see that Jesus valued community and that it goes hand-in-hand hand with following Jesus and it goes hand in hand with what it means to be a church and I think um, for young people to find a space where they are genuinely welcomed and valued and loved, um, cared for, not judged, all of those things is, um, is a pretty radically different sort of environment to a lot of other ones we come across. And Isaac Cocking this time. G'day Isaac. Hey, hey. Hey, um, tell us a little bit about what, uh, what gets you out, you, you're one day a week for, yep. for New Vine. What gets you out of bed on that one day a week? Um, well, besides the alarm clock, <laughs> um, I am really passionate about hanging out with youth on a Friday night. It's uh, super exciting. We have an awesome bunch of kids that we get the opportunity to hang out with, so that's part of that. But also part of that is um, kids just understanding and wanting to understand more about God and how it is that they live their lives um, out in, in hearing about God. And the other thing is our youth leaders. We have an awesome youth team that just have a heart to serve uh, the youth of this church. So that's a really exciting thing to be a part of. Uh, now, I was here on Friday night for a little while uh, for Dick, and uh, we've got some photographic uh, oh, no. uh, evidence of some of the things <laughs> that happened on Friday. But I have to say, it was absolutely awesome. There was, uh, there was, you had barbecue out there. You had some couches out there in the car park. If you're wondering what some of that kind of white staining is on the car park out there. I don't know if you noticed on the way in. There were various substances that were being kind of sprayed and some porridge <laughs> flung around. There may have been porridge. Um, so let me just bring up a couple of photos here of, uh, I hope you can see this, the sort of barbecue and the couches. Um, <laughs> there's no kids there at the moment because they're all <laughs> over the other side on there. But there must have been 40 or 50 kids here on, yeah, on Friday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, 35 to 40 kids. It was amazing. Yeah. And they were having an absolute blast. Uh, a few more photos just to, to show you what was going on. Uh, a few familiar faces there. Uh, and then this was one of the highlights, I think. Um, the, uh, the biggest slip and slide I think I've ever seen. Um, next time we'll have to call the Guinness Book of World Records, see if we, uh, if we qualify. But it looked really awesome. But this was one particular moment that I, I just had to include here. Uh, here we go. We've got, got a series of action shots here. Oops. No, we missed. We missed the moment. There it is. There, oh. there it is. That could be the staining, uh, as Isaac says. Yeah. 
but it was it looked like an absolute blast and um uh, i just got to commend you on on the, what you've done there but tell us a little bit more about um friday nights but also your goals for say the next six months when it comes to connecting with young people in the community through through this kind of thing and others and i've blurred it there just because i didn't want to show any faces from children that aren't part of our um, leaders or our mm. Our family here but they were having a ball <laughs> yeah so I suppose um, our overarching goal of youth um, the reason why we turn in week out week in week out on a Friday is um, to disciple kids to make that lasting decision uh, to follow Christ for themselves and then to live that out um, so that's sort of our overarching goal of why we turn up on a Friday night for us leaders um, but a couple of things that have sort of implemented uh, for this year and this term um, is just to create a really safe and uh, exciting, fun place that uh, it's grace-filled that kids can come and uh, hang out and uh, not water down the gospel, but create a space where kids can feel open to share things and be cared for. Uh, so that's sort of one aspect of that. Um, we've also started doing worship nights. So got a worship night coming out this term but uh, we try and do a worship spot uh, each week uh, and that'll sort of be like a prayer time or it might be a worship uh, music sort of time uh, which sort of there's a heaps of bunch of things that we sort of do in that uh, spot um, that sort of is in that worship category um, another thing that's sort of long term that we're really excited for is uh, for our community kids to be bringing their parents here on a Sunday um, yeah, and then being sort of the driving force for them, their parents to be coming to church on a Sunday. And, and some of the ways we do that is to connect with the parents after, after a night and chat with them and build that relationship so they feel uh, open to, yeah, and to come here and feel safe to do so. So, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Uh, well, Libby, um, coming back to you, we, we talked a moment ago about some of your immediate sort of projects and tasks and things. But what about longer term? What are some of your dreams and aspirations for families and children here in New York? Yeah, so the dream for me, the thing that is really getting me here um, at the moment, or getting out of bed in the morning, is um, so thinking about um, the church as a, as a global, global movement. So um, this kind of a global movement that's been going on the last couple of uh, years, decades, of, um, so to, to make a, a quick analogy, um, of environmental sustainability. So thinking about looking at... Um, looking at the way that we're making choices through a lens of sustainability and looking at how we can preserve God's incredible creation so that it can be enjoyed for generations to come. And that's how I'm thinking of the church right now as well. The church also needs to be preserved um, for the generations to yeah. come. You know, yeah. So making it a place that people really want to be here and now and showing our kids what it looks like to be part of a community of believers who all love God, who love each other and are doing everything for God's glory. Showing them what that looks like for those people to be meeting together on a Sunday and through, throughout the week so that it's something that they want to be a part of, but it's something that they also want to then continue that tradition mm. um, throughout the rest of their lives as well. So for me, that's really my dream is getting this to be um, a thriving kids ministry where we have families who are, who are excited to be here on a Sunday yeah. morning. So making this a place that is, um, that, that is the best option on a Sunday morning. I think we've come through a bit of a season of COVID where we've had some, some lockdown breaks. Families are kind of realizing that 
sometimes there's better things to do on a Sunday morning. So making this that fun place again where our families really want to be, where our kids really want to be, where it's it's the best option, the best place to yeah. be. Um, and some of that is actually looking at making this place a little bit more accessible. So a lot of us, or some of us, have been here um, in these buildings, meeting here together for um, a decade or more, some of the people on the team for twice as long as that. Um, and we, we already know where everything is, we know what this place is all about, but for people walking through our doors, particularly families walking through those doors upstairs, that place is a maze. There is like staircases and doors and it is, um, it's hard to find your way around up there. So some of our goals is working on that being accessible. So um, putting in some signage and commu clear communication and making sure that um, families are here on a Sunday, but they also know physically where their kids are. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, just making this a place that, that the people want to be. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, perhaps to invite others to as well. Exactly. And yeah. uh, that's perhaps the, the greatest vote of confidence, isn't it? When, when people are confident to invite others to come and uh, experience the same as they have. Uh, Isaac uh, Whiting, if I can turn to you, um, as well as uh, your work overseeing youth and young adults, you mentioned the kind of special projects uh, uh, area. And as part of that, you're working with Libby to create this sort of more welcoming, hospitable space and experience for our, our little ones uh, right through to our, to our young adults. Um, what would you say are the greatest needs that we have just at this moment to enable us as a church to do that, provide the kind of place that Libby's talking about in a safe, happy and hospitable way? Um, yeah, I think uh, we, firstly, we are incredibly blessed to have the facilities that we do. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, we talk about the church not being the bricks and mortar on the corner, and that's absolutely true. But we've, we're in this space, um, we're accessible to a whole bunch of people. Um, so how is it that we make that, as Libby said, all the more accessible? Um, yes, just some of the practical things... Um, is we'd love to be able to just do a few jobs throughout our kids' rooms to make some spaces a bit um, safer and a bit more usable. Um, we've got a big courtyard on the far side of the building that is a great space, but kids running really fast and lots of concrete isn't a great combination often. So stuff like how do we turn that into a great outdoor playground? Um, how do we, you know, make some, uh, as we have with our heroes room, just some, some other spaces that are really accessible for anyone that comes through our doors. So uh, this space, we would love to be able to throw some synthetic grass down and put up some shade sails and some stuff like that for kids to be able to use it all year round. At the moment, it's, um, it's pretty specific as to when and, and how we can use that. But we kind of need to at the moment because we're bursting out the seams up there, aren't we? We, we have to use this space because the kids don't... Uh, don't fit anymore in our mini B and yeah. our OC programs. Is, yeah. that, is that right, Libby? Yeah. So, uh, Isaac, They're I know... exploding. Yeah, there's so many kids up there. <laughs> it's crazy. So, Isaac, I, I think you did some costings on what it would take to turn this space into something uh, much more safe and usable and colourful and fun and inviting. Um, can you tell us what, what you think that would cost? Yeah. Um, drum roll. All right. Oh, very good. 50 grand. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But now your expectations are going to be blown away when I tell you the real price. Um, we think it will probably be about $15,000 to put grass down, to put sails up, to paint it all and have soccer goals, all that sort of stuff that is just um, a space that really is an extension of our kids' rooms, more so than a, a space up the back that's a bit unusable. Yeah. So I, I just want to put that out there today. I mean, um, thank you to all our regular givers. But this is money we, we don't have in our budget at the moment. But we're so committed to making families 
uh, and children feel so welcome and at home and safe and comfortable here that I think it's a moment that, that we just love to put it out there and say, if that is something that, that you, you could help with in some way, maybe not the full amount, but maybe an amount, uh, perhaps on top of our normal giving, but something that might be able to get us towards being able to uh, ch- change the safety and look of that, of that backyard courtyard. It's fabulous to have it and all of the investment that's gone so far to give us these f- f- facility, uh, facilities. Um, w- this would just sort of help see us get to that kind of final place where it would be just such a wonderful environment. So just let me put that out there. $15,000, it's, it's a lot of money, um, but maybe if some of us are in a position we can chip into that over and above our sort of normal uh, finan- financial support, that would be just wonderful. But there are other ways to be involved too, aren't there, Libby? Now, uh, what else could New Viners do to help as well as considering that option? Yeah, well, like, I said, like I've just mentioned, we are exploding up in our kids' rooms lately. Um, our mini-Vs in particular, that's that, our preschool age, so like three to below kindergarten, they are thriving up there. Um, as it is, if we have all of our kids, all of our families um, actually all attend on the same Sunday, we don't even have enough volunteers to safely... Um, have all of those kids up there so um we're often ringing in like if we do end up with a lot of um kids on a certain sunday where like as parents are dropping their kids off we're saying oh hey can you actually stay because we don't have enough adults in the room um to keep this going and similar with our our older ministries as well our um our primary school age and our high school age kids those um groups are just exploding there's so many kids coming up there at the moment and we're only seeing more growth happen all yeah, the time we're having new people come in all the time wonderful <laughs> it is a wonderful problem, problem to, to have yes yeah. <laughs> i'm very happy to have this problem um but it is a problem when we have this age of covid where people can last minute not turn up and things like that so um yeah we really just need more volunteers and i know for some people um that is an intimidating thing for me i'm a trained primary school teacher so it's not intimidating i can walk up there you know it's very easy but um what i want to I think communicate to everyone is that it's not actually an intimidating thing that we're we're asking of people to do up there. We have um, we do need some more teachers to actually be presenting our stories, but more importantly, what we need is people who um, have that heart, like we sang earlier, of show me how to love like you have loved me. We just need more people up there so that when our kids are up there, they feel like there is someone who is there connecting with them, and they feel like there is someone there who wants them there and who is um, connecting with them on a level where they feel like they belong. So we just want people up there who are playing handball with them. You know, all of our groups have some hangout time. Um, so we want some people up there who can just be hanging out with those kids, loving them, getting to know them, um, which is probably still an intimidating ask for some people. But um, a little bit of information that I'd like you to know as well is that a lot of our um, families here don't actually, um, a lot of them have moved to the area and don't have local family yeah. around. Yeah. So they actually would really, really benefit from spending time with people of all ages. Yeah. So all generations. So people of like grandparent figures, um, teenagers, all of those people can really be investing in these kids' lives yeah, um, and meeting them where they're at. And we've been talking these recent weeks about having courage to embrace the new opportunities and, and maybe this is a moment for, for that courage to kind of uh, step up even even into a space you haven't uh, perhaps worked before or it's been a while or something. But also, it, not just the, the, the uh, adults either, mm-hmm. but maybe some of our dare people uh, Absolutely. here could yep. help out as well. There's nothing our little our littlest people love more than having a cool older teenager yeah. <laughs> hang out with them and, and, and treating them like they're 
a real person, like they're maybe a cool person too. So, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah if, you're, if you're in our teenage years, um, particularly some of our um, older than year eight. So we only go up to year eight programs on a Sunday, but if you're in year nine, 10, 11, 12 this year, or maybe a school leaver, then um, it's a perfect opportunity to still have something to do on a Sunday morning. Yeah, indeed. Indeed, and, and um, my Emmy, who's, uh, who turns 10 next Saturday, is up there in creche at the moment, helping out with creche. So maybe you're never too old, and maybe you're not really too young uh, from somewhere in there anyway. So um, maybe that's something for you to think and pray about, and, and I'm sure that would be a wonderful way to contribute to uh, us embracing the opportunities before us uh, this year. Um, and remember, you might also just meet Jesus up there in the kids' ministry as you uh, provide that hospitality to our children and young people. Would you put your hands together for this fantastic team we've got? This is the A-team. Part of the A-team. Thanks uh, so much. Well, uh, Isaac, would you just mind grabbing me that... I've got more things to hold than hands to hold it. Well, thank you for letting us share that with you, including those of you who are watching uh, online. And I just want to sort of wrap this up now before all of our wonderful kids come back in to join us, uh, those who've been out, with what I'm calling the parable of the two stonemasons. I've actually adapted and embellished this from Simon Sinek, uh, the business uh, writer and leadership guru. Imagine yourself transported back in time to the Middle Ages, and you see two stonemasons labouring at their work in the scorching heat, cutting and carrying stones in what must be back-breaking work from sunup to sundown. And you ask the first one of them what they think of their work. Well, they reply, the work's hard, the weather is bad, the pay is poor, we've done it as long as we remember, and it probably won't be finished in our lifetime. But it's a job. And then just 10 metres on, you ask another stonemason. But this one straightens up and a broad smile stretches across his face. And he says, I love my job. And you're kind of taken aback. And you say, but isn't the work hard and the weather bad and the pay poor? And he shrugs and just says, yeah, I guess so. But I'm building a cathedral. Well, when it comes to working with our children, with our high schoolers, even our young adults, we're not asking us as a church to volunteer, get up early some Sunday mornings, maybe give up your Friday night or Sunday evening just to cut and carry stones. We're asking you to build a cathedral of the future. A cathedral not of steel and stones, but of living stones. A cathedral which is not the seat of a bishop, but a temple of the Holy Spirit. A place of awe-inspiring beauty and God-glorifying wonder. Not because of its soaring pillars and high-vaulted ceilings, but because of the irrepressible life, the irresistible welcome, and the undeniable worship and encounter with God that goes on there. A cathedral not with the stories of saints etched in stained glass, but a cathedral with the story of Jesus etched into the lives of living saints, including our young people. A project of laying faith foundations, building up in hope and investing long hours of love 
into children, young people, and young adults. A project you may not see completed in your lifetime, but a project of truly eternal proportions. A cathedral where the welcome we offer to children, families, and young people is an act of our worship and welcome of Jesus. Building a cathedral in this place in which Christ will be present. Because he says, whoever welcomes a little one like this in my name welcomes me. And by the way, if anyone plays the bagpipes, that might be really handy as well. Well, let me pray. God bless you. Lord, we thank you for the families, the young people, the children, the little ones from newborns right through to our young adults, our young marrieds and beyond. We thank you for the life and vibrancy and energy that they bring here. We thank you for the future that they bring into our community. We thank you for the joy and energy, the tears, the noise, the messiness, all of that. We thank you for it because we know you love the little ones, the humble ones, the inconsequential ones of all ages. But we know you also say that whoever welcomes these little ones in your name welcomes you. We love everyone here at New Vine. We love all ages and all stages of life and we value them. But we do know that you have a special place in your heart for these little ones. And we pray that they would have a special place in the new vine heart as well. As we don't just cut and carry stones, but we build a cathedral of people, of living stones, of children and families. And we pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And we hope to see you next week. Don't forget, Sunday 6th of March, a God you can believe in. Amen.